0: Good morning church. Yeah, Good to be together. Yes. Yeah, uh, we uh, had that bumper video on Sermon on the Mount and uh, we're not actually going to be in the Sermon on the Mount today, um, but our guests Ryan and April Beck demonstrate salt and light like Scott talked about last week in an amazing way. So it's a privilege for me to be able to introduce my friend Ryan. Uh, he's uh, here with his wife, and uh, the kids were around earlier. They might have headed home, you know, missionary kid life who wants to hang out in the church. Um, but uh, They run the place. It's good. <laughs> they were around the place. They run the place. Mm-hmm. Ryan and April uh, spend most of their time living in a remote village in Southeast Asia. Uh, one of the highlights for me in terms of my ministry travel was to be able to spend some time with them mm-hmm. in their jungle village. And uh, yep. just to help people understand uh, where you live, Ryan. Yes. Uh, how often do you grocery shop?
1: Uh, personally grocery shop, uh, if I can avoid it, never. But when I get to, about every six months for me. And then in the meantime, uh, about every three months, we send out a grocery list to a kind soul who does all our shopping for us. And so about every three months we get a plane flight with groceries.
0: A plane flight with yes. groceries. So Instacart doesn't show up with no, the car no, and leave no. on your doorstep. But
1: it's getting good. It's almost like Amazon. Just almost about. like yeah. Amazon.
0: So you personally grocery shop once every six months. Yes. And then have groceries deliver once every three months. Yes. That's how,
1: that's how we do it. Yeah. And,
0: uh, and then where is your closest uh, hardware store?
1: Uh, about an hour and a half flight if the, f- the wind is coming from behind the airplane. And then uh, we have to go usually about 10 different grocery stores within a 10, 15-minute vicinity to find the one thing we need. And so, they may not have it. And they may not have they it. They may not have it. No, I did walk into Home Depot the first week I came back, and I just stood there and just stared <laughs> at everything. It was amazing. It was great.
0: So Ryan and April truly live in a jungle. Uh, The only way to access it is an hour and a half plane flight from the closest city. Mm. I mean, there is a river. Uh, You don't want to go on the river. It would take
1: uh, Uh, five days. Five days.
0: But definitely you cannot drive to where they live. And uh, you'd go, why would somebody go to a place like that, uh, so remote, so far away, uh, where stuff is so inaccessible? And it's because... There is a group of people there, a tribe, named the Turu. Did I say it right? You said
1: it perfect. Okay.
0: The Turu people group who do not have the Bible in their language. Up until just a few weeks ago, didn't even have their language written down. Uh, Have no church. Have no gospel witness. And Ryan and April believe that Revelation 7-9 is going to become reality. That there's going to be people from every nation, tribe, and tongue around God's throne. And Ryan and April want to make sure that the Turu people group are one of those tribes and tongues that are around God's throne. And that's why they do what they do. And uh, amen. And I'm excited for you this morning to hear a little bit about what they do as well as their heartbeat and their passion for why they do it. And uh, we're so grateful that you're here this morning. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for my friend Ryan. Lord, thank you for sustaining he and April and the kids For calling them, for using them, for protecting them, for helping them to persevere. (laughs) And Lord, as he stands before us this morning with a message that you've laid on his heart, may he rest secure in the fact that this is your word and your message, not his. And we ask that your spirit would have freedom in this place to move, to challenge, to encourage, to speak. You'd take Ryan's eyes off of himself and put them on you and that no matter what happens this morning, that it would be ultimately your name and your kingdom that's glorified and not our own. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks,
1: Thanks, Ryan. Well, man, with that, we should just go home, huh? Thank you, Brian. I really appreciate it. Hi, guys. Uh, uh, As Scott said, some of you guys, I I, I know you, a number of you guys are new faces to me, so let me just say hi. Thanks that we get to come and uh, thanks for inviting my family to come and worship. With you guys, we're excited to we get to come back next weekend and uh, hang out and, and share at the high school retreat. We'll be back a number of times as well to worship with you. But uh, it's really good to be back with you guys. Uh, so Tri Cities historically has been has been home for me at times. I moved over here as a young single guy. I didn't know a person, didn't know a soul, and I drove into this drove into this city in Kennewick, and I saw this church, and I said, you know what? I, I think if I if I if I just step in those doors, God, you can meet me there, and I. I promise you there is no greater influence in my life as a young man than to be able to be in this body with you guys and have you guys uh, show me the love of Christ, speak into my life, and care for me. And I just want to say thank you. We've got to come back um, lots of more times than I can count over the years and sleep in your spare rooms and um, spend time getting to know you and share our lives. And I just want to say thank you for sharing your lives with us. That's pretty pretty fantastic. My wife, April, and I were young, young married couple over here as well and made South Hills our, our, our home. And it's, uh, it's always, always special to be back. So we thank you guys. Um, my children get to do life with us. Uh, we have three kids, Jordan, who is uh, who is who 16. Uh, I love, I love my, my son's intentionality in life. He He wants real relationships. And he just says, Dad, I just want some buds that love Jesus and that I can do life with. And I'm like, that's so cool. I'm going I'm to be praying for that. That's great. He loves God's creation. So uh, if there's a bird that flies in the sky on any part of the world, he knows its name. If there's an orchid or a flower that's beautiful, he knows it. Um, the only thing I'm not quite as thrilled about is he loves everything snake and reptile. And I don't like that, especially in my home. But my son is, uh, my son is fun to remind me that God can do amazing things, even if it's not my preference. Uh, my daughter, Caitlin, uh, she finds beauty everywhere in life. Uh, she, she is hope for, for us in hard times, and yet she is real and honest, and I'm so blessed by her. My son Logan is 10 years old. He has an imagination that won't stop. He loves being a friend. I mean, we got back here a number of weeks back, and we're sitting in, in a different church service, and he turns around, and he sees this kid, and he says, he doesn't have any friends, and I don't have a friend. I'm going to be his friend, so he turns around and just starts talking to him, and they hit, that, they hit this relationship. So uh, God's ability to use any of us is, is pretty out, pretty outstanding. Uh, if you don't know me, one of the things I will let you know is um, uh, we don't like to pretend to have our lives together, and we don't like to talk about surfacey stuff. So I will be real and honest with you, and I ask you just to, uh, if you've been in a conversation with me, trust my heart if it comes out, because... Um, I think all of us are broken, but it's, uh, it's not always easy to, to admit that. So I'm just grateful that you guys have received us well and care for us so much. Uh, we live in a part of the world uh, that's uh, about there. So um, for, for reasons uh, that I can't share with you here, we work and serve here. And if you want to know more about that, come find me afterwards and I'll give you a little insight. But less important about the location of where we are are the people that we get to serve. We get to serve a people group, as Brian shared, called the Tudor People, the Tudor people are a very isolated group on a lot of levels. So geographically, uh, they are at the ends of the earth. No one falls off the truck and ends up where we live. Like, it's just, it's just horribly inconvenient to get there. And if you're not convinced, talk to Pastor Brian Stark, and he will tell you it is not a fun trip. Uh, they are physically uh, isolated. They don't have roads in and out, so they don't have a lot of connection with the outside world. Uh, language wise, they speak their own unique language. It doesn't share similarities with other languages around them. And so that isolates them as well. And frankly, they just don't play nice with others. And so what that means is they get in a lot of fights and they kind of stick to themselves. And so they are isolated on all those, all those levels. And yet, by the Lord's grace, He's opened the door and allowed us as South Hills. To have a ministry there, Uh, we get to be there as an extension of what we are about as the body of Christ, and I just want to say thank you guys for standing with us, for encouraging us, and supporting us, and I'm hoping this morning you can walk away encouraged that as crazy as this world is, God is at work. The Tudor people are a a hardened people. Life isn't easy for them. Um, There's no stores. They don't get to have jobs. If they don't put food in the ground, they don't get to eat. Um, our friends don't name their kids till they're one or two years old, because kids quite often just don't make it. Um, we've worked to try to bring medical care, and we're seeing a, a change in that, so it's really exciting, but um, couple that with just not playing well with others, and there are uh, a lot of people that are very um, quick to speak, quick to anger. I would even take "slow to listen, but they don't even do that well. <laughs> they just don't listen at all, and it causes a lot of fights, and their, their hearts are really hardened and yet. They've accepted us, and they've let us be a part of their lives, and it's just a really neat thing that um, we get to be a part as a church. Um, so I titled today's talk, um, Showing Up, Showing Him, and Sharing Him, because as we are uh, communicating these, these, these uh, words of truth, we need to keep first things first and know ultimately what our goal is. Before we start talking about the details of what we get to be about. Because this is true for all of us that we get the opportunity to show up in the lives of people, to show the good news of Jesus Christ, and then to share that good news of Jesus Christ through words. But how do we go about accomplishing this goal of working amongst the tutor? Uh, our specific goal is that we are translating the Word of God, we are working towards teaching the Word of God and working through uh, materials to do that, and then we're looking to train the tutor up in God's Word. And so to do that, we first have to learn the tutor's tonal language. Okay, so this is going to ask you guys to put your ears on and listen well, because this is going to kind of be uh, unique. We, in English, do not use tone to communicate meaning. We use words to communicate meaning just at the base level. If we put a B and an E together, it means B. And if I put a D and an O and a G, it means God, right? But in English, we do have a a way of using intonation to change meanings a little bit. So I can use one sentence in English. It says, um, how about this? I am going to the store again. I'm simply informing you I'm headed to the store again, right? Or I'm going to the store again. With that, I'm doing what? I'm asking a question, Okay. Same words, different information. Or I'm going to the store again, Okay." Any of your husbands ever say that before, when your wives ask you to go back once again? Um, and if you're married, you will know that intonation on words means everything. So your wife can say the same word lots of different ways. And you are a wise husband if you just listen. <laughs> listen well. Uh, <clears throat> so the tutor has a tonal language. Let me tell you a little bit of what that's like. Um, the word do uh, is spelled du, and we just say it as do. But in tutor, we can say six different tones, and it can mean six different things. Track with me here. High level tone, doo, it's catfish. Mid level tone, doo, horsefly. Low level tone, doo, son-in-law. Get those mixed up, it'll be awesome at Christmas. Now, rising tone, do. means tree. Falling tone, doo, means lice. Doo, means bug or water skipper. And, and this, is just, this is just for nouns. So we can do this with pronouns. We can do this with verbs. And if you haven't been inspired to be praying for what we get to be about amongst the tutor people, please look at this and start praying, people. There's no, no, no magic juice I can drink to make this an easy process. But not only have we had to learn the tutor's language, and we've been blessed to be able to get to the point where I've, I've finished learning the language so that I can start utilizing it, we also have to create an alphabet for that language. Uh, we get to use Roman letters, look very similar to the letters we know, but we put little marks above them that communicate different tones. So I'm going to read this to you. So Tudor is, uh, truly is an amazing, Tudor is a, a good language. Um, uh, why, why is it that you don't know Tudor yet? So I, I may have heard that a time or two, so there you have it. Uh, it's, it's a humbling reality, but uh, we also get to teach, not only not only learn the language, not only reduce it to writing, but what good is it to be translating the Word of God and put it in the letters if they don't know how to read and write? So we've had to learn to read and not only uh, translate it, the, the, put the words down, but to teach the tutor to read and write. So um, over this last year, we were able to put some curriculum together from the information we've got and create a whole bunch of books. And as we taught through those, those uh, created those books, we then said, okay, we now have the curriculum, we need to have a place to meet. Uh, unlike Tri-Cities, we get just a little bit more rain than you. We get a little over 365 inches of rain a year. And so we also have to have not only the books to teach, but we need to have a place to teach. So we built this house, it's called the Tudor Word House. Tutor is a very descriptive language. It's really, ha- really help- helpful, but not always um, flattering. My name is Sote Irofosi, man whose head has hair falling out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where they come up with that. It is just beyond me. My wife is wife of man whose hair is falling out, so I don't know which one's, which one's worse. Hers was choice. Mine was by God's blessing. So what are you going to do? Um, so, and then we, uh, we met for, I met with a group of guys, we met for uh, two classes a day, for uh, five days a week, about three, four hours a day teaching, and at the end of the time, our tutor friends were able to start reading and writing their language, and it is just such an amazing thing to watch them sitting at a desk and being able to write down their language for the first time, but I got to be honest with you, I really don't care about teaching people to read and write, like it doesn't thrill me, have not you guys ever taught anyone to read and write? Yeah, it's just not easy. It is it is it is a lot of work. But we do it for a greater purpose, and our purpose is because God's words offer life. And if we can get them to read God's words, I'm convinced and we are convinced as a church that God's words can transform. At the end of the last day of class, I had been revisiting Genesis chapter one and I was just making some last minute edits and I had my computer up while the, the students were working, and one of my friends, up I said, Hey, why don't you come up front, you finish early. I want you to try to read something. And he says, What am I reading? I'm like, just 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 read it. Uh, and I invited my friend to take a, a stab at reading God's word in his language for the first time. And I want you guys to take a look at what that looks like. Boobo Lafu I'll see boy by to boy the nay the room or to be boy. Na be boy the loop ala or be or to be black in It's worth it's worth celebrating, it's pretty cool stuff. I mean that I we get to be a part of that, like how cool is that South Hills Church? Uh, at the end of the video, I, I put the phone down because I was just, I was so shocked, and, and the tutor aren't a very smiley people, uh, they don't, because life is hard, but he was uh, smiling at the end, and so I got this screenshot, and I, I remember asking at the time, why, why are you smiling? Tell me what you're thinking. He said, you know, I've, I've known about God's talk for my whole adult life, and I've so, I've wanted to know it and hear it in my language, and if I ever heard it, it wasn't my language. And no, my ears may hear it. My heart doesn't hear it. But when I read this, my ears hear and my heart hears. This is so light. This is, this, is, this, is so, this is so good. Man whose hair is falling out of your head. You're headed back to America. You can't. Because we have to do God's work now. We have to translate God's talk. I said, I know. I'm so glad you're excited. I'm coming back. No, but this is important. And I said, yes, I know it's important. Hang tight. We're going to get there. Uh, Seeing this, be excited. God is at work. Despite what you see on the news, despite what your neighbors tell you, despite what fears you have, God is doing some incredible things, and we are so blessed to get to be a part of it. So not only do we get to be a part of doing um, really cool uh, uh, Bible translation and teaching, we also get to care for the physical health of the tutor people. The tutor people um, have a lot of needs. If you are in the medical profession or have been, um, well done, good and faithful servant. It, it, is, it is a challenge to say the least, um, but our hope is to not only uh, share the good news about Jesus, but to show them the good news of Jesus before we speak to them. Uh, we also get to share life with the tutor, and uh, through our successes and failures, communicate the love of Jesus to them by modeling the good news. I, I'd love to be able to say that um, I set out to do really godly things, and through that I get a model Christ, and that's what they learn from. Nope. If you're a parent, your kids don't learn from you because you do everything right. They grow and learn when you make mistakes, and you grow through it with them. And for my friends, the tutor people, they get to see me raw and sinful all the time, okay? So it is less than convenient to live where we live. It's hot, the bugs are there, I'm tired, I miss home. It's just not always pleasant. And there are times when people are less than easy to get along with. And I am very curt, and I can be short, and I can be frazzled, and I can snap at people, or even people that I'm friends with, I can, I can, I can speak in a way that doesn't show them value and love. And then I go into my house, and then the Holy Spirit comes in, and he says, Ryan, you know what? <laughs> you, 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 you ought to go and find that person and, and get right with him. But they deserve it, I say, Lord. He's not just just consider. So I walk down the village with my flashlight, and I... I rap on the side of their village house and I say, you know, uh, earlier we were talking and uh, I I said words that I'm sure didn't make you feel good. And you and I, we say in Tudor, our our hearts are connected like this. And when I said that, I feel like you and I's hearts are no longer like that. And so I want to say, I'm really sorry. Will Will you forgive me? And they say... He goes, Hey, honey, the, the guy with his hair falling, he came to say that he said bad words and he's asking for forgiveness. Can you believe he did that? Everyone, can, He's coming to say he made a mistake. Oh, I forgive you. It's fine. We always treat each other poorly. And I say, <laughs> I say, Okay, well, I get that. But you know what? I know that the God that created the universe desires to have a relationship with you and he desires to work through, through me to show you to him. Uh, show him and uh, I, I don't, I don't want to miss his chance to just say I'm sorry. So while I want to say my success win people over, most of the time the Lord works through our willingness to acknowledge our failures and have people see Christ working in and through us. And finally, we've been um, privileged to not only do life with Him, but to be at a place where we can share and experience life with Him in meaningful ways. And it's afforded us the opportunity to grow with the tutor and to know the tutor people. Um, so I've titled this talk today, a Show Up, Show Him, and Share Him. And the reason that uh, this is important is because we can get really distracted uh, and try to major on the minors. And this passage that I want to share with you guys today found in 2 Timothy chapter 1 is a really, really good reminder to get back to what's at the core. I will admit this. Most of you, I wish a lot of you would, but most of you will never be in the place where we are at. We, we, no one wants to go there. It's less than convenient, but no, most of you won't. And yet... We are all privileged with the same mandate, regardless of our location. So whether you're a truck driver in Benton City, a teacher at Ridgeview Elementary, or a translator in the jungle, we all get the opportunity to show up in people's lives, show him, and share him. And this passage brings me back to that, especially when there's a lot of distractions that could be had. So if you're worshiping online, uh, just feel free to open your Bible. If you're here and you have a Bible app on your phone, want to open that? If you have a real Bible like this guy, you can go ahead and uh, open that up. Or if you want to look on the screen or use this talk sheet, we have that available for you. Timothy is a, a young guy who had been entrusted by Paul to uh, take over the reins of the church in Ephesus that he was leading. And then <clears throat> Paul had started that church, and then he left into Timothy's care. And now Paul was over in prison; he's waiting for execution. The guy's about to die, and Timothy is back in this place and just going through a lot of hard stuff. He's facing opposition and pressure from the outside. He's facing opposition and pressure from the inside. And he's trying to figure out how to stand up under it. And Paul gives him this encouragement to say, I want to give you guys, I want to give you the key to what it takes to stand firm amidst all that opposition. So in the book of 2 Timothy, I know it says 1 Timothy on the top of your worship, sh- uh, top of your handout, but I'm just going to say it's 2 Timothy. Uh, I'm going to read verse 5 for you. And in verse 5, it says... I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Now in your talk sheet, verse 6, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Seven. For the spirit that God has given, uh, gave us does not make us timid but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So one of the, the, the reminders that Paul is giving to Timothy is not, hey, Timothy, I want you to start working really hard to become super bold and be really, really, um, really strong enough yourself because you have to show everyone what you're really standing for. He doesn't say that at all. He says, I want to remind you of the gift that God has given you, ask you to fan that gift that God has already given you into flames. And what is that gift? In verse 5, we learned that, uh, that he had some amazing examples. He had his grandma, Lois, and he had his mama, Eunice, and they showed what sincere faith looked like. They showed up in Tim's life, they shared the, shared the love of Jesus, and they showed him what it means to rest in him. And at the foundation of Timothy's life, he had models of faith. And I'm humbled when I think back to the models of faith I've had in my life. And maybe you guys could sit around if you have time and talk about those that have modeled sincere faith in your life and how that shaped who you are. But now the question is, do you still have people that you're allowing in your life to model faith for you? Or another question is, who are we intentionally modeling our faith to? Is it a grandchild? Is it a sister? Is it a friend? Is it a neighbor? Because this is God's gift to Timothy to stand up amidst opposition and pressure is to remember that sincere faith modeled can shape us. In the end of verse 5, it says, not only have you had faith modeled for you, but I'm, per- I'm, I'm convinced that you have, um, you, I'm persuaded that that faith also now lives in you. So not only have you had sincere faith modeled, but you have also placed your faith in what Christ has done, and you now have the Spirit of God through faith living in you as well. So your gift of God is you have the sincere faith modeled, You have the spirit of God given. And and the beautiful thing is that it's not done yet. Now, Paul calls to, but you still have this tension at play. You still have this fear. You still have this anxiety. You still have this worry of, but can I stand up under it? And so we get this beautiful uh, reminder of what else we have available to us. Um, It says that we have uh, the sincere faith modeled. We have the spirit of God given. But we have uh, Timothy also has this support shown to him. And the sport from others. It says in verse six, for this reason I remind you to fan into flames, the gift of God, which is in either the laying on of my hands. So Paul went to Timothy and he said, Look, Timothy, like God's plan A is to use you in this context. I know you're freaked out. I know you don't know if you know all the things to say. These guys over here are, are really, really tough to work with. They're they're powerful, they're persuasive in their speech. They hold sway, but I'm going to put my hands on you to say, I trust in God's plan and his capability of using you. And I'm also doing this because I want everyone to see, I am standing with you, I am supporting you, I am there for you. You've already been given the spirit of God, but I'm affirming that God knows what he's doing, and I'm standing with you. So for us, do we have people that are supporting us? Or maybe we need to ask the question, who are the people that we are able to stand behind and support because this is the gift that God has given us. But ultimately, what does his spirit offer us? How does his spirit transform us? How does it help us to stand up under opposition? Ultimately, we have given the spirit of God. And what the spirit of God does not give us is the spirit of timidity. And why, why timid? Uh, Timothy was um, in a context where the Roman, the, the Roman government forces were persecuting anyone who stood in the way of their agenda. Okay? Paul's in prison about to die. People are being People are being not only persecuted, but they are being executed. And in the church in, the, in, in Ephesus, there are guys saying, "Yeah, maybe maybe Paul didn't know what he's talking about because um, is the good news really good news if it causes us to suffer? Like shouldn't it, shouldn't we be getting getting comfort? Like maybe maybe if Paul was really doing a good job, of doing what was right, then then it would be easier for us. And so." Timothy, I think what we need to do is we need to adjust our message to mitigate the culture that's coming at us. Because that, that seems like it's going to make sense. And Timothy's going, but just, but you know what, God, God, that's not what God is thinking about. Timothy, you don't really know what you're talking about. So Paul's saying, look, I'm, I'm on death's door, but I'm going to remind you, Timothy, don't give in, don't give up, but don't by your own strength do this. Fan into flames the gift of God, remember your modeled faith. Remember the spirit of God you've given, the support you have. And now I'm going to give you an ex- explanation of the power that, that you have through the spirit of God. Ultimately, we have a power that comes from the spirit of God, and the power helps us to share the gospel. There is a reality. We can get timid. We can get afraid. And to speak the truth about God's word, there is risk involved in that. Loss in relationship, uncomfortableness, persecution, suffering, it is not always easy. And yet we have been given the power, not our own, but the Spirit of God fully accessible in us to help us to share the gospel. But that has to be, that has to be uh, dovetailed with the opposite. Not only to be given the power that helps us to share the gospel, we've also been given love, which enables us or equips us to show the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you don't have both, it becomes really, really awkward really, really fast. I told you I'm real. I'm going to tell you how real I am. I live in the middle of the jungle. My house is on stilts. Underneath my house, I have uh, my office. And I sit there and I translate God's Word on my computer. I spend a lot of time doing it. It's not what I love to do in terms of long amount of time, but it's a place I can do it. We don't have um, glass on our windows. We also don't have Tri-Cities wind or dust. Praise the Lord. So I just have screens, okay? And I sit there and I type, and I have people that stand right against my window all day long just looking in, <laughs> watching me work. And after about 30, 40 minutes of watching me work, they say, hey, mister, uh, can I have your pen? And I say, uh, you know what? I, I have other pens. I, I don't have another I can give you now. I'm using this. If I give it to you, I don't have one to write with. okay. Hey, mister, can I have your notebook and your paper? Uh, you know what? Right now, I'm, I'm writing, and it's where I'm taking my notes. If I give it to you, I'm not going to have it. So I can't give that to you. Okay. Hey, mister, can I have your shirt? Um, I'm, I, I don't have the beautiful skin that you have. You don't want to see me without my shirt. and No, I can't give you my shirt right now. And time after time, it's, can I have, can I have, can I have? So what is my my Christ-like spirit-filled response in that moment. I'm getting so animated here. Anyone know what it is? Do you know what I am doing for you? I am translating God's word so I can give you hope in Christ. So would you leave me alone and stop bugging me? (laughs) Would any of you guys maybe have that? Please, someone raise your hand. Would anybody feel that? Oh, we have honest people and the rest of you are liars. This is amazing. (laughs) I love it. Okay, this is where the Spirit of God in us needs to give us the power to proclaim the truth of the good news of Jesus, but also his love so we can show the good news of Jesus. It's that passage in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I have no love, I'm just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And when I'm shouting at the guy who's inconveniencing me, I have no love. What worth is it there? Now, I'm convinced God's word's important. I need to get it done, and it's okay to set boundaries. I'm not saying we have to be a doormat for Jesus. But you see the balance there, right? We have to rely on His power to share, and we have to have His love to show the good news. And the last thing that I love is we get self-discipline. Self-discipline for us is not uh, in our own strength overcoming our fears and our weaknesses, because guess what we'll do if we try to do it on our own? We'll shrink back right away. It's not go, oh, I'm tempted to abandon what I know is right, and I really got to be a part of God's plan, but uh, uh, maybe I'll just try this one time to do it. Okay, And we take God out of the equation. No, that's not the self-discipline it's talking about. This is, I've given you the Spirit of God who's equipped you to speak, given you love to show, and he's given you a self-discipline to keep you from shying away from the good news of the gospel. So in this moment, own it. Own up to it. Allow these things to be what you rely on. If you're a note-taker in here, I have some notes for you to fill in if you want. We just walked through them. It says we have power that helps us to share the gospel or speak the gospel. We have a love that enables us to show the gospel or good news. And we have a self-discipline that keeps us from shying away from the gospel or shying away from the good news. I, I, I do missionary work as my profession, but also my life. And can I tell you, it doesn't make it any easier. Th- those fears, those, those concerns we have, that the parts of us that we, 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 we think we need to guard in order to have meaning and connection in life, they creep up all the time. And yet Paul says, Timothy, don't let that define you because you have access to so much more. He goes on in verse 8 to say, So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our, of our Lord or me as his prisoner, and rather join, in me, uh, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So he's saying, Timothy, you have the power you have the resources, you can do this. Don't be ashamed of both the message and the method. We get to be his messengers, and his message hasn't changed. Don't shy away from that, no matter what people say. Cling to that truth, because it offers life. And in fact, I'm going to give you one more thing, Timothy. Be prepared to not only um, have to deal with your fears and anxiety, but rejoice and suffer with me. Man, I don't like suffering. like suffering. Like I love comfort. I love convenience. I love not being inconvenienced. And yet God gives us this opportunity to not only share the good news but to suffer through the good news. Who signs up for that? That makes no sense. Like it's not something we do. And yet when we share the good news, it allows us to connect, it allows us to connect others with him. But when we suffer, it draws us to him. And it's not something that God does to us to smite us. This is a blessing God does for us. Guys, the God of the universe says, I want to come into your life, transform you, and use you to do the most amazing thing that could ever happen on the face of the, pla- the planet, and that's draw people into a real relationship with me, and you get to be my, spokes- my spokesperson. You get to show up in people's lives. You get to show the love of Jesus, and you get to share the love of Jesus, and I'm giving you everything you need to do that, Be excited for what we get to be about. So Paul urges Timothy, who I'm sure is a little still dubious. Um, And yet, we find ourselves in that circumstance often as well, whether it's outside of the church or inside the church. Uh, Maybe you have people that you've been worshiping with for a long time, and they say, what we need to do is we need to go to war with the culture, and fix the culture. And you say, maybe there's a time and place for that, but can't we just promote worshiping Christ And they say, well, you need to stand with me on this. And you say, I I don't know. Others say, you know, if we were doing church right, it wouldn't be quite so uncomfortable. Everyone would just be getting along if we're doing church right. So we obviously need to do something so we all feel good. And you say, you know, that doesn't seem consistent with my life. I, I know that God does provide comfort, but I think he's more concerned about growing my character than supplying my comfort. Can we as a church see that there is a blessing of God to allow us to have uncomfortableness in body life for his purposes? I'm not saying let's go try to make life hard for all of us, make everyone suffer around you. Don't do that. That's just not smart. But the reality is there is a blessing of what God wants to do for us and through us when we choose to both share the good news, speak the truth, and risk suffering for the gospel. Or maybe it's not from inside the church, it's outside the church. Maybe you're a salesperson and you have a good relationship with a client and you fear if I share the good news of Jesus with this person, show up in his life, show him him the gospel and share it, he might not want to buy so much from me anymore. What if if he rejects me? You say, if I I speak to my my brother-in-law, then... And he's not going to respond. You don't know my brother-in-law. It is going to make life miserable. Every holiday is going to be horrible. He is not going to respond rightly. I I, I don't know that I can suffer in that. And yet, we get to decide what we want to keep at first, at core in our life. Do I want to succumb to the pressures of this world or claim the power and joy that's available to us? Can I tell you something about suffering? As much as I hate it, Every single time in my life that I look back to where I got to walk closely with the Lord, April and I crying together, praying together, trying to figure out how we're going to even make it through, are the times that have given us the most joy and hope. There is nothing greater than, than falling at the feet of Jesus when you are broken and lost and seeing him come and renew us. And we rob ourselves of joy and we deceive ourselves when we don't see that that's available to us. So my encouragement to you guys is, let's suffer together for the gospel. Let's not shy away. Let's not be bold and obnoxious, but let's, with his power, share the good news. With his love, show the good news. And by his self-discipline, not shy away from the good news. When we show up, we show him and share him, it can make a profound difference. You know, one of the things that uh, shocks me is... um, we get, we get as, as believers that we ought to share the good news of Christ. Well, at least we might adhere to it. But we often will even feel more comfortable saying, "Yeah, know, I'm not so good at the sharing part, but I'm really good at showing the love of Jesus to people. Okay, that's fine. That's, that's part of the equation. You have to have the power. You have to have the love. And yet, do you know what element we miss the most? Showing up. It is, it is, it is a barrier to being able to do that is simply to show up in the lives of people. So you have a you have a friend whose grandchild is in uh, the band or they do some sort of event at the school and you don't want to go sit through a band concert, but you love your friend and they love their grandchild. So you say, I'm going to show up in your life. You may in your neighborhood, you may have neighborhood or people walk throughout your neighborhood all the time and you uh, you see them moving around, but you say, it's more convenient for me to uh, to... Maybe go walk at a park somewhere because my neighborhood there's like tumbleweeds that blow and it's dusty. But if you see him walking, maybe you say, "Well, what if, what if I chose to walk in my neighborhood two days a week so that I might have the chance to show up in people's lives?" Uh, can I give you a hint on a good way to connect with people? Um, ignore the person, love the pet. Okay, <laughs> Americans love, love, love their dogs. Like it's just insane you don't even have to learn your neighbor's name, but you know their dog's name. And guess what? You are showing up in their life and they're going to go, this person's amazing. They are, I I would listen to anything they had to say because they love my dog Skip or whatever your dog's name is. I tell you, we find ways to show up in people's life and it can transform. Well, we may say, I I show up, but uh, well, I guess kind of. So maybe what we do is you say, I, I don't really know how to show up in people's lives, but I have really good discussions on social media, and I'm able to make my points really well. And in fact, like sometimes it gets to heated a debate, but I try to be calm, because I, I know I can write well, articulate well. But then when they just say that stupid stuff, i got, I got to stand up for it. and I win that fight. Points for Jesus. How many of you are convinced that that is a good way to show the love of Christ and communicate the love of Christ in a way that, that will meet people where they're at? I love I love technology. I love social media. It has given us a chance to connect in ways that we never could. I love it. It's an amazing tool. But if we sacrifice showing up in people's lives, what are we forfeiting? Another thing that's a shock to me is I love putting layers of protection between me and people, especially when it comes to saying hard things. So text messaging, to me, is a way I can slow my thoughts down. It's like, okay, I'm going to say it like this, and I'm sure if I put this emoji, it means this, and I'll just type this, oh, no, and you delete it, and then the, the, the fear is that you accidentally send it before, before you can edit it well, right? And there's nothing wrong with text messaging. Please use it. a great resource. But guess what? Text messaging doesn't promote real relationships. Don't take my word for it. NBC did a poll. And they, they, did, uh, they interviewed forty four thousand four hundred eighty eight people. And I, I took the, the poll, and obviously I'm very well balanced. So you have a very balanced view. Uh, but we, uh, it, it asks the question, do we text too much in, instead of using other forms of communication? And ultimately, at the far extreme, it says, yes, we do. And it's a problematic way to have a real conversation. 72% of people say it is a problematic way to have real connections through text messaging. And yet we rely on it. And it's a good tool. Use it. Set your coffee date. Make the time. Tell someone you're praying for them. That's awesome. If someone's struggling, put the phone down. Go show up and see what God can do through that. So what if I, what if I show up? What if, they, what if they don't want me? I read some statistics on um, people's level of loneliness. And if we ask the question, how does showing can make a difference? Look at this. There was a a report done that was talking about the percentage of people who reported having serious loneliness or feeling lonely frequently or almost all of the time. This is not, I'm lonely once a week for a couple hours. This is people that say, I'm frequently or almost all of the time lonely. Take a look at this. 36% of all adults surveyed said almost all the time they feel lonely. And this is the lowest category, okay? 69% of teenagers between the age of 13 and 19 report almost always feeling alone. 18 to 24-year-olds who you think are out there in life doing what they do, hanging out with friends, making, making memories, these guys are four times more likely than any other age group to feel almost always alone. And this one probably won't surprise you if you've ever been a mama. 51% of mothers with young children feel lonely all the time. So how can showing up in someone's life make a difference? It's because people are longing and desperate for connection. Statistics say that we as a people spend two hours and 27 minutes on average a day on social media. Please do not hear me knocking social media. I love social media. We, on average, spend two hours and 27 minutes. So, I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. You guys are all self disciplined and you are very intentional in your lives, and you only spend 27 minutes on social media a day, okay? It's the other people that are, are bringing the curve up. What that means is that the people that are feeling lonely have more than two hours and 27 minutes of feeling lonely or being on social media every day, longing for connection and relationships. And you may say, Well, I don't have time. Well, you have 30 minutes that you can put down your tablet, put down your phone, and connect with someone? Uh, maybe you're in the workplace, and you've got a, a five-minute break. Do you spend five minutes scrolling through reading what's going on in someone's life from a distance, Or you say, "Hmm, my coworker's there. I think I'm just going to go over and talk to them." And when you talk to them, you say, "I think I'm going to get to know them." and you get to know them and you find out stuff about their family, and you think, I'm going to pray for them. And then after you pray for them for a couple weeks, you say, hmm, maybe I could pray with them. You see how this works? When we choose to show up, not because we've said anything profound, but because we simply took the first step, it opens the door to real life change, and we get to be a part of it. So what is that message that we ultimately get to communicate? Um... What is the good news of Jesus that that transforms? In verse 9, it says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life. He saved us from death. He's offering us life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. The good news message of, of Christ is not, let's get people cleaned up in order to get them to God. It's, let's get people to God and let him clean them up. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose. The message of the gospel is not try harder. It's trust him. The message of the gospel is not be great. It's be grateful for what God has done. And we get this is the message of the gospel. It gets really simple and it becomes really profound. And when we show up, we show love, then this message offers life. In verse 9, uh, the rest of verse 9 says, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. And what I love about this little section is this message that we're offering is nothing new. It's nothing that is a reaction to where we're at. It is simply the opportunity that has always been available. And we get to cling to that, that this is part of God's plan. This is, Pastor Jim Landymore said this morning, this is, this is plan, God's plan A, to use us, to show up in people's lives, to to show the love of of Christ in the gospel, and then to share that good news. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but now has been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So, first thing we see is that Christ destroyed death, and in so doing, he took away the, the penalty of our sin and removed the penalty of our sin, and... He freed us from the power of sin. Again, not I get good to get to God. I get to God, and he does good in and through me. Okay, He's destroyed death. We are no longer bound to that. This good news of Jesus is that. But not only has he saved us from death, but he's also transformed us for living an abundant life. He's transformed us for an abundant life. And I love what John says in John 10.10, A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life, and have life to the full. And this life we get to not only receive, but we get to offer to others. So, we are really good at talking to God. I hope we're really good at talking to God about others. Every prayer meeting I've been a part of, people will consistently say, pray for my brother, pray for my, my friend, pray for my grandchild. They need Jesus, they need Jesus, Jesus. We have to, as God's, God's kids, be dependent on Him and always be talking to Him about them. But let's not forget to then talk to them about him. Do you hear that? We would definitely talk to him about them, but let's not forget to talk to them about him because God uses both in profound ways. And if you want to know what it looks like to grow in your relationship with the Lord, to live a life that is, is, uh, as Paul says, that's been fanned into flames and be excited, start doing both of these by the power that God has put in you, not by your own strength, and it will draw you into the Lord like you have never, ever, ever experienced. Our lives have been blessed to be able to not suffer because we've done right. A lot of my suffering has been because of my stupid, and I'm not not saying go out and do stupid and say, well, I'm suffering. I must, must be because God wants to do something in through me. No, God might be saying, just stop being so stupid, Ryan, but There is a place where when we truly get to suffer for the sake of the gospel, that that draws us close to him. And don't rob ourselves of that. So Paul finishes and he says in verse 11, And this is a gospel I was appointed, a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame. Because I know whom I've believed and I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. Paul, sitting in prison, all he has to do, you know, is denounce his faith. All he has to do is walk away from, from the, the, what the Roman government is telling him to walk away from. And he's saying, no way would I ever do that because I am convinced that I can trust him with his plan A. And that, Timothy, I know you're fearful. I know you're afraid. I know you don't know the outcomes. But this is worth living your life and giving your life for. Because as we entrust that plan that God's method for sharing the good news about Christ and his message remain unchanged, when we are convinced that God's message and method method have not changed, man, you just just wait to see your life ignite. Wait to see what Christ wants to do in and through you. There is real suffering. There is real potential for hard things. And if there is amazing hope in what God wants to do in and through us and for us. Just before I left, I had a friend of mine in the village. He knows that South Hills prays for them all the time. I tell them it all the time. I said, I got friends back at South Hills. They pray for you guys. They pray for us. They make it possible for us to be here. And he said, you know what? I want to send them a message. So this is my friend August. He sent a short little message here. And my hope is that as you listen to it, you can be reminded of we are privileged beyond what we could ever imagine that God can do something in and through us if we submit to him and his plan. So I'll let August, August close this off. And the worship team will come up, and we'll finish worshiping together. Let's see what he has to say.
0: Um, Boli la paho sote rian bae boko Ate afir boko eh paho la data esu Boli la paho boso aala olaki ti paho budele Laho, Allah, Laku, with the Sotia, Gata, ala Sue, Faho, Allah, with the Body, Mohsue, Body.
1: Thank you, God.